Welcome to the Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Follow along with the message by downloading our app, available for both Apple and Android phones. And now, for our message. Good morning, everybody. We're going to be in Luke 11. Thank you for the segue there, Scott. We're going to be in Luke 11 this morning. So if you would turn to Luke 11. Um, the, before, we, uh, before we jump into this week's message on Breakthrough, and by the way, I remember last, I think last week I said we were going to alternate between messages on finances and messages on forgiveness. And last week was a forgiveness message, which means this week is a finance message. But I just want to commend you and say thanks for coming anyway. Because once I told you what the, the plan was, it would have been easy to be like, ah, oh, I'm going to be skipping every other message for the next two months. So thank you for not doing that. I appreciate that. But I was reading um, in the book of Luke the end of the book of Luke recently, and I saw a passage of Scripture that's one of my favorites. As a matter of fact, it's in Luke chapter 24, and in that passage of Scripture, the the disciples are meeting with Jesus after his resurrection, but before his ascension. So Jesus has already died on the cross, and he has resurrected from the, the grave, and he now is not, he's still on earth, but he has not ascended to heaven yet. We see that in in, um, Acts chapter 1. So in that intervening period, he's with his disciples, and in chapter 24, he's talking to them, and, he, and this is what the passage says. This is Luke 24, verse 45. This has nothing to do with the message. This is something I want us to begin to do regularly when we gather. It says this. It says, Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So he was talking to them, and he was ministering to them, he was interacting with them, and it specifically says in Luke that Jesus opened their minds to understand. And I thought to myself, we need to pray that every time we go to the Word. We need to say, Lord, open our minds, open our understanding so that we can understand your Word. That By your Spirit, we would have greater capacity to receive, to, to grasp the truth of the Scriptures. So can we pray that this morning? Lord, thank you for your Word. We trust your word. We trust you. We trust your spirit. The teacher is going to teach us the word. And we ask that this passage would be be something that takes place even right now. That you by your spirit would give us the capacity, the the ability to understand the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. We're looking at breakthrough. This is a week of breakthrough about finances. Remember what David said in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 20. The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. He is pushing back. He loves, God loves to move his people forward. He loves to, to get us unstuck. When we get stuck, he loves to get us unstuck. He loves to move us forward. He tends to move when we act in faith, when we act in obedience, when we act in surrender, and when we act on the lordship of Jesus, affirming that Jesus alone is Lord. These are things that unstick us in our walks with God. This morning, we're going to look at another facet, and Scott's already alluded to it, which is really neat because we didn't talk about what he was going to share. But we're going to look at that same passage of Scripture that, that Scott just read from in Luke chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 38. So if you look there with me, verse 38, Luke chapter 11. Jesus gets invited to a Pharisee's house to have dinner. And when he shows up, verse 37, when he shows up, he just, he just they, they reclined at the table, which they kind of laid down while they were eating. It was not, a, not all the way down, but they would kind of lean on one side and eat at a low table. So when you see in the scriptures, it says that Jesus reclined at the table. 
It wasn't like Jesus had a recliner at the table and he was pushed back or something like that. They're all kind of laid around. You ever wonder about that? That's how that worked, you know. We should do that when we have meals here together. Get rid of the chairs. Everybody just be like that, laying out together. So he's reclining at a table and the Pharisee recognized he didn't wash his hands. Didn't do the ceremonial washing that, that the priests did, that the Pharisees did. And so Jesus begins to address, it's almost like, you ever been in, I'm not saying Jesus was in a bad mood, okay? So let's make that clear. I'm not saying Jesus is in a bad mood. But have you ever been in a kind of a, a state where you're just like, you're just ready for a little fight? Not a bad fight, but just, you're just kind of ready. <laughs> Who said, oh yeah? <laughs> Amen. Whoever, thank you. Appreciate that, Chris. Somebody's like, oh yeah, I know what that feels like. It's like, not like Jesus was ready to just like throw down, but he was definitely a little bit keyed up. Because as soon as this guy, you know, mentions he didn't wash his hands or Jesus perceives that he's judging him, Jesus is like, here's the problem with you Pharisees. And verse 38 through the end of this chapter, he just hammers away one thing after another. Boom, 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 boom. On these religious leaders who are highly educated, highly influential. Look what it says starting in verse 38. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup. And of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give alms, give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. Verse 42, this is what Scott just read, and we read it again to you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Jesus corrects the Pharisees because they're more concerned about the outside of the cup than the inside of the cup. Well, what does that mean? They were more concerned about the appearance of righteousness on the outside than they were about being righteous on the inside. Said another way, they were more concerned that other people would see their righteousness or their righteous actions than they were that God would see their righteous insides, their motivations, their behaviors that no one else would see. And he uses this amazing contrast, kind of an exaggerated and extreme example. He rebukes them because they're so hyper-focused on doing the right thing that literally Jesus says, you guys go out into your herb gardens and you make sure that when you're harvesting your herbs that, you know, for every every 10 mint leaves, you pull off the mint bush, right? (laughs) Whatever, bush, plant, thank you. I'm going to make sure I save one as my tithe. You're so worried about, you're hyper-focused on this. You're so worried about the, the making sure that the herbs are tithed properly, but you're neglecting the weightier matters. You're neglecting the more important things, justice and the love of God, it says in the book of Luke. And Jesus just shines this light on the gaping hole in their spirituality. You, you care more about the right number of mint leaves than you do about justice for someone who's oppressed. Or about sharing the love of God with someone who is broken and needs to know that they're cared for. And this this example that Jesus uses draws attention to the fact that the outside of the cup is what they most care about. Because if you see somebody that detailed in their giving, well, I mean, it says spiritual. I'm sure wherever that, I don't even know how this works, but they gathered all of their tithe of the herb garden and bring it into the into the temple to the herb garden offering place wherever that is and they're laying out there you know here's my dill here's the cumin here's you know whatever I don't know um here's the allspice I don't is that how it works but you know they're bringing all this stuff in so that people will say wow they care about what God says down to the leaf down to the seed while all the while missing the big things 
Jesus clarifies the priorities of the kingdom when he corrects this Pharisee. Because standing for justice and sharing God's love are more important than tithing herbs or dollars or anything else. God has his priorities straight. God has his priorities in order. But at the same time that he's making sure that these, these I was going to say knuckleheads, but that's kind of what they are, these knuckleheads, at the same time that he's correcting them, he's also affirming that tithing is an acceptable and good thing. Jesus doesn't condemn the practice of tithing in the midst of condemning the behavior around tithing that the Pharisees were exhibiting. If, if the tithe, that is the tenth, giving the tenth, if the tithe was something that was only to be in the Old Testament and not the New Testament, if the tithe was something that was supposed to be finished and done away with in this new era where Jesus is ministering on earth, Jesus missed the perfect opportunity to tell them to stop, to tithe, stop tithing, to say, don't worry about it anymore. Jesus said these specific words. He says, these you ought to have done, and he could have stopped right there. You need to focus on justice. You need to focus on the love of God. These you ought to have done. But he doesn't stop there. He says, without neglecting the other. So he rearranges their priorities, but he doesn't get rid of any of their priorities. Why did Jesus not take the time to eliminate the tithe when he could have? Why did he take the time to affirm the priority, to affirm the practice? If it's no longer important or it doesn't really matter. The reason is, it's because it is still important and it does still matter. Giving a tenth is still, on this side of the cross, on this side of Jesus' ministry on earth, giving a tenth is still a kingdom priority. Tenthing or tithing. Now, all of Christ's followers, I would guess, this is an assumption on my part, but I think it's safe. I think all of Christ's followers would say, we get it. We believe that, that justice... And sharing the love of God, living in the love of God, is more important than giving, tithing, giving of our, our mint leaves or our dollars or whatever. We would all agree about that, but somehow many, I wish it was not many, but it is many, Christ's followers have neglected the other priority of this passage of Scripture, and that is giving, specifically tithing. And when you look at the Scriptures, when you look at Old and New Testament together, money, generosity, debt, uh, stewardship, these, these principles, these concepts matter a lot to God. In the Old New Testament, there's about 500 verses that have to do with faith and prayer together. And those are important things, amen? But there are over 2,300 verses that have to do with wealth, giving, generosity, debt. It matters to God what we do with our money. Turn to the person next to you and say, go ahead and take a nice deep breath right now. I'll give you credit. First service was much quieter. They scared me. They got so quiet. It became tomb-like in here the further I went. <laughs> Jesus said this in Luke 16 from two weeks ago. You can't have two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other, be devoted to one, and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. And the reason that, that I wanted to talk about lordship first is this. When we settle the issue of lordship within our hearts, the, the, the details of where to give and what to give and, and how to give are much easier to address. Because once Jesus is Lord, then what the scriptures say is no longer an idea or suggestion. Rather, they are principles that we enact in our lives that we, we obediently follow that lead to blessing, 
So we want to settle lordship first. And that's where I asked you to, that morning, just, let's just make Jesus Lord. Don't rush ahead and try to figure out all the other details. But let me be very clear this morning. If there is an unwillingness, and I'm not picking on any of you. By the way, I didn't say this in first service. Let me say this. I don't have any idea who gives what at Grace. Other than, I know, I mean, Susan tells me. So we know. But I don't know what anybody gives at Grace. So when I, when you're, if you're sitting here thinking, he's talking to me. I don't have any idea what you give. But here's the thing. If any one of us is unwilling to give of the Lord financially, give to the Lord financially, it indicates that the spirit of money, remember Jesus says you can't serve two masters, the spirit of money still has some grasp on some part of our hearts. And that is not to suggest that you don't love Jesus and you only love money. That's never the case. Not with people that are seeking God. What it is is I'm trying to love God and money at the same time, which is an impossibility according to the word. I know that that's tough to hear, but it is true. And it is a little bit inconsistent. Just consider this, how distorted this is. What we say if we don't trust God with our money is this, Lord, I trust you with all of eternity. I trust you with my salvation. I trust you with everything that is out there that you are blessing in my life. What I'm not going to trust you with is this temporary thing over here on the side called finances. It's very inconsistent. It's why we can't serve God and money. We must have only one Lord. Why is this so difficult? Turn to the person and say, why is this so difficult next to you? Why is this so difficult? If it's not difficult, you're either super spiritual or you've been doing this a long time. Because it's hard for most people. The money thing is hard for most people. Here's the two reasons I think, two of the main reasons. Number one is we come out of the womb selfishly oriented. Everybody, when you're a little kid, nobody teaches their, and I've said this before, I'm not trying to be funny, but it's true. Nobody teaches their children to be selfish. They come out of the womb selfish. You know, no, when, when they're little, your child doesn't say, Mom, when you get a chance, I, I'm dirty and I sure could use a clean diaper. A bottle would be fantastic sometime in the next couple hours. That would be awesome. Any of your children do that? No, they make their demands loudly and clearly, right? So much so that when you're new parents, you're like, what is wrong? We've got to give this kid something they're so unhappy with right now. We come out of the womb wanting what we want. We come out of the womb self-focused and self-centered. It's part of our fallen nature. And to let go and to trust the Lord with something like money is counter to how we naturally look at life. Because money represents two things for people. It represents security and it represents provision. And when I give financially to the Lord, it appears or feels like I am, um, I am losing a measure of security or losing a measure of provision in my life. When in reality, what happens when I give to the Lord, I make a declaration that says money is not my security. Money is not my provider, the Lord Almighty is. So that's the first thing. We kind of, we kind of are bent self-focused. The second one is this. We live in a culture that takes that selfish bent and just throws fuel on the fire. You're constantly told you need fill in the blank. Or we say to ourselves, I deserve whatever. Don't raise your hands. But in the last year, have you thought to yourself a few times, I deserve something. I know I do. Usually when I'm going by Krispy Kreme, that's when I feel I deserve, the light's on for goodness sakes, I deserve, you know, no, kidding. But we, uh, let's just be really gut level. We don't deserve anything. We are graciously given so much. But in terms of what we deserve, communion this morning kind of covered it. We, what we actually deserve 
outside of Jesus is to be separated from God for eternity. That's what we've earned. Those wages, the wages of sin, (laughs) death, separation, eternity away from God. We are graciously given all things, but we don't deserve anything. And so when someone says, oh yeah, but I mean, I deserve this because I worked hard. I studied hard at school. I I was cunning. I was sharp. I did all these things to earn this. You know what? That doesn't still make make it that you deserve it. And here's the reason why. We all know that anything that we have can be taken away in an instant through illness, through death, through the loss of a job, through an economic catastrophe. There is so much that we cannot control. So to think that because we have brought something to the table in terms of what God has given us initially, that we deserve something is very short-sighted. And we see all around us regularly examples of people that deserve something that lost everything. So we're in a culture that reinforces selfishness, and we were born selfish. Now, here's the thing. This is my favorite part of the message because now we get to talk about the positive side. So everybody put on a smile for a second. Here we go. This is the good stuff. This is the best part because this particular thing, the tenth, the tithe, this particular concept has some extremely um, strong breakthrough qualities. There's a lot of tangible things that we can point to, some amazing things that happen when we say, God, I'm willing to trust you with the tenth. The results are miraculous. And I want to talk about three different areas of breakthrough. Number one is this. There's a lordship breakthrough. When I choose to give a tenth of my resource to the Lord, there's a breakthrough in terms of lordship. Meaning this. That it is very difficult to serve God and money if I tithe. Is it impossible? No, it is not impossible. I've actually met people who were big givers and still worshipped the money. Worshipped mammon. But I will tell you this, it is much more difficult to worship money if you are tithing. It breaks something inside of us, that innate internal dependency on self and dependency on wealth when we tithe. Write this down if you would. Tithing is an act, this is the reason, tithing is an act of intentional dependence on God. It says, Lord, I trust you more than I trust money. We are intentional, this is, this is so otherworldish, this is so kingdom of Godish. The world does not get this, but in the kingdom, this makes sense. We are saying, I'm going to make myself less wealthy so that God can be my provider and I can honor him, honor his word. It's an intentional impoverishment. Who, no, what's the expression? Who does that? Who does this stuff? Only people that, have, uh, that are listening to a Lord that is higher than the Lord of their pocketbooks do this stuff. So there's a breakthrough that takes place in regard to lordship when we tithe. The second thing is there's a financial breakthrough that takes place often when we give. Tithing invites God's blessings to be poured out on us. And I'm going to read you that passage of scripture that many of you know by heart from the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament. This is the Lord speaking through the prophet. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Now, in this room and online right now, there are literally, represented by the people that are with us, there are hundreds, hundreds upon hundreds of stories of people that, have, that could say this, I have lived that out and it's true. I trusted him and he threw open the windows of heaven. I trusted him and he poured out more blessing on me than I could, than I could absorb. In the New Testament, it's said this way. Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be poured into your lap. That is the New Testament version of Malachi chapter 3. There are people in this room that can say, I gave and the Lord gave back. And it was more than I can handle. 
Susan and I are examples of this. We have been literally deluged in our life with the blessings of God, in specific around finances, and it's in part, large part, because we chose to trust him with the tenth. So we've got lordship breakthrough, we've got financial breakthrough. Let me give you one more. This is, uh, I'm going to call kingdom breakthrough, and it is my opinion. So please turn to the person next to you and say, this is just Tim's opinion. I want to make sure that we're clarifying this is not the word of God. So you can just like, you know, check out some memes right now or update Facebook or something if you don't want to hear this. But this is, I, I think a lot of people that I trust, and many of you will agree with what I'm about to say. Here it is. Kingdom breakthrough. The needs of the church, not Grace Church, the big church. All of the needs of the church, all of the needs of the missions, uh, missionaries on the field, all of the needs of missions organizations, all of, the, all of the, the needs of ministries around the world for ministry tools, things like vehicles and buildings and curriculum and copies of the scripture and so on and so forth. All of the needs that we have in the world for food and for clean water and for wells, all of those needs... Think about, let your mind get big for a second. Think about all of that. Here's my contention. My contention is this. I believe that every single one of these needs could be met if God's people, all of God's people, tithe. It's that big a deal. And the reason I can say that is this. There is so much of that stuff already happening on a fraction of the people of God choosing to tithe. Statistically, in the United States, it is well below 50%. It's it's, it's 45 Four to five, you gotta say, in the United States, it's, it, I've seen studies that said under 10% of those who are following Christ actually do this thing called tithing. And if we're getting all of this done on 4 to 5%, 4 to 5%, what would happen if everybody was just like, I'm gonna trust him, I'm gonna throw myself into this, into this place of dependence on God and, and being really able to say he is Lord of all, there would never be a ministry that didn't have enough resources. There would never be a missionary that was trying to raise funds. We would just be writing checks saying, you go, you go, translate that Bible into that new language. Go to that unreached people group. Plant that new church. Start that new ministry. The people of God would be overflowing with abundance. Here's the thing. This sounds harsh, and I don't mean it harshly. We didn't change the the sign out front to say law church this morning before you came in. This is grace church still. I just want to make sure you understand it's grace church, but here's the truth. The kingdom of God does not have a financial problem. We aren't lacking resources. We're lacking faith and obedience. The kingdom of God isn't lacking resources. It's lacking faith and obedience. Now, some of you, I'm almost finished. Some of you are like, thank goodness. <laughs> some of you are, have been like, you ever seen the bobblehead dolls? You know, Some of you have been like this for the last 20 minutes. You're like, yes, I believe I'm, amen, yes. And I love that. Thank you for doing that. That makes this subject more fun. Others of you, and I admit this and I know this, and I'm speaking to you specifically right now, are super uncomfortable. And you're uncomfortable because talking about breakthrough in terms of giving like this is unfamiliar. It's unsettling. It can even feel dangerous or irresponsible. And I want to talk to you for just a moment as we finish. First, hear this. The Lord's priorities are in order. The Lord's priorities are in order. Justice and the love of God are more important than tithing. Please don't misunderstand. Jesus said that. It's more important. There are bigger, weightier matters than tithing. But we get the invitation from Jesus to give. And when we give... He blesses. Here's the thing. If you don't remember anything else from this whole morning, remember this statement. Being obedient to Jesus will never disadvantage you, ever. 
you will never be disadvantaged by being obedient. As a matter of fact, you will always walk in blessing. You will always experience blessing if you choose his ways, period. And that's not just a, a financial principle. That is a kingdom of God principle. When we walk in obedience, we are blessed, period. There is no disadvantage. There is no sorrow added to it, as the scripture says, when we trust him, when we walk in his ways. It is God's heart to bless you and to prosper you. I know that sounds like I'm being a TV preacher. That's not what I mean. It is God's heart to bless and prosper you. That does not mean that you'll have more money than anybody living on your street. What that means is is that you will be covered from behind and before. He will surround you. He will make sure you have what you need. He will give you more than enough. He will give you the ability to be generous with other people. He will take care of you. He will be your provision and your security and your safety. He will be your refuge. God wants to do that. So if you're here and you're struggling, if you're in that group that's not the bobblehead group, and you've been doing math in your head for the last 15 minutes, if that's you right now and you're freaking out, I want to say two more things and then we're going to be done. Number one is this. This is a faith thing. This is a step of faith. And if you think that by managing it through mentally that you can do the math or you can get out a legal pad later today or an Excel spreadsheet and make it work, you will never be able to make it work because it's supernatural. Susan and I have been tithing literally our whole adult lives and it never works on paper. Again, who does this? Who gives all this money away and still has enough and not just enough, more than enough? Those that walk by faith. And so by definition, if it's a faith thing, you're not always going to understand everything about it. You're not gonna get all of the details. We cannot see or understand all that we undertake in faith. But we start with a step and that would be my encouragement to you. Take a step of faith. Trust him. Step out. Lean in. Know that he will not disadvantage you but that he wants to bless you. The second thing I want to say before we finish is this. I, I don't think this is true, but if there were some here who were, who were kind of thinking to themselves, I know what this is. This is a veiled, poorly veiled fundraising attempt for Grace Church. I don't think that you would think that. But if you did, if you're suspicious that, this is my, that my motive is something about this church and this place, I want to say this to you. It is more important for me, for you as a pastor, for you to take a step of faith than for you to give here at Grace. I can make the argument from the scriptures that this is where, if this is home, this is where you should give. But if that's the issue in your mind and you're just conflicted with it because you don't feel like my motives are right or you're you're not sure of my motives, I say this to you. Give someplace else, but give. Take the same step of faith. If you find something that you do, someplace that you do trust their motives or that you're not uncomfortable with and pour that tithe into that ministry. Do that for a season and see if you are not, um, if you are not assured that God is in this and that this is his principle and that he's bringing blessing into your life. But don't let it be about grace. If that's a distraction to you, then don't bring it here. Bring it someplace else. We can have that conversation later on. Amen? So this is not a fundraising. I'm not trying to get a raise. I don't work on commission. <clears throat> it doesn't matter. You give, you don't give. I, I don't, doesn't make any difference to me, except that I'm your pastor and I care about you and I want you to prosper and I want you to break through financially. And this is a huge part of it. Would you stand with me? My, uh, my process for seeking the Lord about where we should go week to week, month to month, year to year here at Grace is that I pray 
And I just, as I seek the Lord, I write down what I feel like he's saying about where we should go in our teachings over, you know, uh, usually looking at about a year at a time. So we, we break it up. I'll break it up into chunks. Like I know we need to do this or this or this. So last fall, fall of 2021, I began praying about uh, the year of 2022. And I knew that we were going to do a series on breakthrough. And I knew that it was going to be about forgiveness and finances. And I knew that as I laid the weeks out, that there would be a week that we would talk about tithing. But that was in the fall, probably November of last year. I had no idea what would be going on in our world when we finally got to the time that we started to get into this. And the reason I'm saying that is this. When you look at the news, when I look at the news, it is so unsettling. It is so unnerving what's going on right now. It's just, it's crazy. We're living in, I mean, if this isn't the end times, wow, it sure feels like it to me. I'm not trying to be scary. I'm just, it's, it's crazy what's happening in our world. And here's the thing. The enemy would say to us in the midst of seasons like this, you need to hold on to everything you've got. This is not the time to step out in faith and trust God by giving. You hold on tightly to everything you got. That's what the enemy would say. Gas is gonna be $5, I'm not being prophetic. Gas is gonna be $5 a gallon next week, so you better hold on to every last dollar. I believe the Lord has brought us to this message at this time specifically so that we can, in the face of what is uncertain, say, Lord, I choose to trust you anyway. It's the best time to trust him. It's the best time to have your finances blessed and covered. It's the best time to be walking in obedience, not the worst. So let that encourage you. Don't look around you and say, I can't. Look around you and say, oh yes, I'm gonna lean in. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Oh, thank you for your word. Thank you for your principles. Thank you for your teachings. Thank you for the, for the ways that will never disadvantage us, but will always advantage us and bless us if we will trust you. I thank you for those that are nodding in agreement because they have walked this out and they're living in your blessing financially because they have chosen to trust you with a tenth. But Lord, for those that are uncomfortable, struggling, wrestling, Lord, meet them. Assure them that your priorities are in order, that, that things like justice and the love of God are more important. Assure them, Lord, assure them, Lord, that you will meet them as they step out in faith. Remind them that it is only by faith that they can be pleasing. They don't have to figure it out. They just need to trust. Lord, give them your peace and may they begin to see breakthrough blessing as they step out. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you extend your hands before you? I want to bless you in the name of the Lord before you go. Grace Church family, be blessed. Be blessed as you trust in the Lord with all of your heart and you don't lean on your own understanding. Grace Church family, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths and make them straight. Amen. We trust that this message made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about Grace Church, be sure to connect with us by visiting grace417.com or connect with us by filling out a connection card on our app.